Hey guys, and welcome to the Freelance Fairy Tales podcast. I'm Alex Fasulo, your host, six-figure freelance writer, serial entrepreneur, Fiverr Pro seller, and digital nomad. You've come to the right place if you want to know more about working for yourself online as a freelancer today. I've been freelancing for over six years, and I want to share what I've learned with you. Welcome back to the Freelance Fairy Tales podcast, where we chat all things remote work, freelancing, mindset, and financial freedom. This week, I'm very excited to welcome on YouTuber and the owner of Team BC Real Estate, Brian Kaseya, with close to 190,000 subscribers on YouTube. Congrats, that's amazing. Where Brian details his story of how he went from being broke at 27 to a millionaire by 31. I can't wait to chat about that. Brian is vocal about all things financial freedom, mindset development, and going after your dreams. He's also the host of the Supreme Being podcast and owner of the Modern Success Coaching Program. Brian, welcome. Alex, I know we had a, <laughs> some issues even with me logging on today, but, but thanks. I'm, I'm excited it's to okay. be here. It's I okay. Won't, I won't hold it against you. So I love your story. I'm obsessed with it because I kind of had not quite the same, but a similar, you know, bro, quit my job, had no idea what I was doing with my life to becoming a millionaire by the time I was 27. Took me a little longer than you. But I just want to talk about like the beginning of all of that. Right. So so what was like the catalyst for you at, at 27 to be like, hey, I don't want to be broke anymore? Well, I had to reinvent myself. A lot of people don't know because I don't talk about it too much, but I was an ex-professional athlete. I played basketball in Europe for a couple Mm. of years. And because of my second really severe injury, breaking my left ankle for a second time and really like it was really bad. And then getting surgery, not walking for months. And then from that moment forward, I knew that I wouldn't be cleared anymore, like getting a medical clearance for a team. So my whole dream was like basically stripped away from me at age 25, 26, and I had to like restart. So I went back for like a year to live with uh, one of my uncles in South America where my family's from. And basically I knew when I came back to the States, I would have to like face the music, Mm -hmm. right? And and do something different. And when I came back, I knew I didn't want a job. Um, I swore to myself in college because I did work study on scholarship and I saw how like that corporate environment was. I was like, dude, unless it's like absolutely necessary. I don't want to work for somebody else. Like I would rather live out on the street and build my own business than work for somebody else and be comfortable. Like that's how decisive I was about that. So I started kind of experimenting and figuring it out. And I just happened to come across real estate, right? I just happened to drive by an office. I went in and talked to the broker. It was a complete shift, like 180 in regards to what I was doing, you know, playing basketball to them being a salesperson and a real estate agent. But I said, you know what? I'm working for myself. I can learn this. I can figure it out. You know, I'm really committed. I'm disciplined. I've built up a lot of skills playing basketball that I can transfer to being an entrepreneur. Mm. And, and that's how I did it. And real estate was fundamental in me growing so quickly, you know, making a lot of money and changing my life because it opened a lot of doors for me. And it put a lot of things mm-hmm. in front of me that ended up changing my life. So I normally ask people this. It sounds like you weren't scared at all, though, right, to jump into real estate, because I guess being a professional athlete, you you probably had to conquer so many fears already in your life. Like you probably had determination, drive, commitment, like all of those things already rooted in you. Or would you say like it was still scary to do? Well, I mean, I'm human like everybody else. I definitely was scared for sure. It's just I was at a point in my life. And even while I was playing basketball, whatever was in front of me and whatever I committed to doing, (laughs) 
that would be the ultimate thing for me. And I would never go against my word. That was just always something that I built into my code as a human being. I said, if I say I'm going to do something, if I claim that I want something and I say I'm going to go after it, I'm going to see it through regardless of the challenges. So the discouragement was there. The emotional ups and downs were there. The fear absolutely was there. But that became secondary to what the end goal was, which was I said, I'm going to do this. I signed up for this. I have to see it through. Because I think people, especially in this day and age with you know everything on social media, you would have to be pretty naive as an adult to think you're going to do something new and it's just going to be all sure. rainbows and sunshine, right? Like you've heard me talk about it. I'm sure yeah, you've yeah. talked about it. Everybody talks about it. And I, especially with my stuff, whether it's free or paid content, I'm very raw with people about you know what you're going to go through to get to where it is that you want to yeah. go. So I knew it would be tough just like it was in sports. I just made the commitment and that's always senior in my mind yeah. to anything else that comes beneath that. Now your YouTube channel, cause I, I just started YouTube this last year and it's difficult to grow. So you, you have a ton of subscribers. Yeah. Did you start your YouTube channel at the same time that like this all started or did you start it later on or before? Yeah, shortly after, I would say within a couple months of getting started in yeah. real estate, which I officially was licensed, started my licensing process in 2012, officially was licensed in 2013. And I started, I think, March, between March and June of 2013, posting on like Facebook, Instagram, and mm. YouTube. I just didn't take YouTube serious until probably 2017, 2018. So I would post on there, but it was like once a week and it wasn't like a priority yeah. thing. Like I was a rookie with YouTube when I started. I didn't even know you could put tags on videos. Yeah, so right. I would just upload my video. Yeah, I would upload my video. <laughs> I think at the time I had like an iPhone 6. Yeah. So it was like half the size of this one, right? And I would just upload. I, I wasn't worried about quality. I didn't put tags. I would just upload the video and put a title. And it was so bad. I didn't know in the beginning that you had to turn your phone like this <laughs> for like a video. So I would shoot like this and have the black bars on the side. And I would be like, dude, how do I get rid of the, you know, the black bars? And yeah. somebody told me to like, dummy, turn your phone. So that's how bad it was. But I still uploaded, yeah. you know? Because the commitment was, I'm going to post regardless if I'm good That's just it though. Like for everyone listening, it's it's never about perfection when it comes to social media. Because I hit like TikTok super hard every day. I think people get caught up in making sure that it's perfect, that you have all the right equipment, that you know what you're doing, and then they end up not doing it. So I love that you just did it and didn't really care, right? It's all about just posting. So many people say like, just get your first 100 videos out the door. And along the way, like you'll become good at it somewhere in the middle. Yeah, you know, for me, even now, it's not really about, oh, I want to grow my platforms and be this big, you know, juicy influencer. It was always just about a particular message and putting out quality stuff. Yeah. So if people watch my old, old, old content on YouTube, it was just me being like, hey, I'm this new guy running my own mm -hmm. business. I'm just going to show you and bring you along with what I'm doing. So there'd be like live door to door action, live cold calls, what books I'm reading. It was basically just like I would give you a peer into my life for a couple minutes. Yeah and let you hang out with me. Like, that's literally what it was. It wasn't like, how can I create this perfect video to go viral and mm -hmm. blow up? It was more just me sharing my journey. And I think that's ultimately what brought more people to me because you could tell I wasn't trying to grow my following. It was just, hey, follow me for the, for the ride. Yeah, and I feel like there's almost like a double positive to going off and doing your own thing and starting your own thing and documenting it on social media because 
you have the business that you're growing, uh, you know, on your own that you're making money from, but then you can document that journey on social media and get a following of people who are watching you on your journey. And then next thing you know, you have two businesses. That's definitely what happened for me too. I just started like documenting Fiverr on social media. I never thought people would be interested in it like in a million years. And, and it turns out that they are, and like it kind of became its own business on the side of my Fiverr business. And I think that's so, one of the cool things about social media that you don't have to like come up with this caricature. You can just go actually tell your story. And if you're being authentic about it, people know and they'll, they'll follow you and you have another business, you know, right on your lap. So I, I already know everyone listening to this, they're going to want to know, this is probably a complex answer, but what steps did you take? What big steps did you take in those four years to go from being broke to being a millionaire? Like what? What like big financial steps do you think did that for you? The first one I would say was increasing and really nailing down my financial literacy. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't grow up with anybody rich in my family. My family's immigrants from South America. You know, my dad had to become a truck driver because for people who don't know, when you leave from another country and you come to yeah. the states, even if you're a professional over there, like if you have a degree, it, it it's not automatically valid in the states. So even if mm-hmm. like you're a, a professional over there and you come here. My parents are like, hey, we need to put food on the table. And my dad ended up getting a job as a truck driver, even though back in Argentina, he was accredited in many mm-hmm. things. So he had to figure yeah. it out. So I didn't grow up you know, special. You know, We grew up in a poor neighborhood in LA. Mm-hmm. So I was never taught that. And then taking you know, these steps into real estate and even in my professional career as an athlete, I mismanaged money like crazy. And the first lesson that I had to learn that I tell people is, if you can't manage a dollar or a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, forget about managing 10,000, 20,000 or a hundred thousand. Can you budget? Do you know every penny coming in and going out? Are you responsible with what you're doing and how much you set aside for, for, you know, leisure and Mm -hmm. fun versus how much you're investing in yourself or investing back into your business? What are you living off of? Like right now I live off far less than even 10% of my monthly income between all my houses and expenses and office and all that. And people look at me like I'm crazy, like, oh, how do you yeah. do that? But I know people who don't make one one hundredth of what I make and they're literally like living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. But that is just a literacy thing you have to learn. So one book I'm going to recommend to people that really shaped not only my actions, but also my mindset around money was Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harvecker. Mm-hmm. Great book. That video that you're referencing, I think I recommend that book in that video, okay. right? So that's number one, because that gives you the foundation. Number two is... I think in this day and age, everybody spreads themselves too thin. So in the beginning for me, it was all real estate for at least three or four years before I ever decided to create a second stream of income. I doubled down, tripled down on real estate. And by that third or fourth year, I was already making you know around half a million or close to that in commission. So that was built solid. And I started building out a team and scaling. That's when I was able to now look at the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh stream of income, right? I think now I have eight like really good streams of income, but I built that first one solid. And if you're trying to build three or four simultaneously and you don't have one that's solid, whenever you take your attention off of one of them, it starts to wane and kind of, you know, the pipe starts running dry. And I think a lot of people do that instead of just saying, hey, I want to build this one first and be yeah. patient before I build out that second and third one. Cause my second, third, fourth, fifth came quickly after that but I had to have that yeah. solid foundation. And it's after those two that I think it really started propelling me to you know, get over a million in regards to not only my net worth, but also making more than seven figures in a year. And it just takes time because I would be the third one. You have to be patient. I don't care what story you're watching online. Mm-hmm. 
me or anyone else, even if we say four or five years, that's a short amount of time if we're going to look at from the outside, right? But that's a lot of work in those four or five years. Those first three years in real estate, I didn't have a life outside yeah. of real estate. I worked 13, 14, 15 hour days, six, seven days a week. Now, I know people who will claim to you and me that they want to be a millionaire, but when I tell them what yeah. I did, they run for the hill. They don't want to do that, you know? No, no. I'm, my story is identical, literally. Like for the first five years, all I did was freelance, right? For 14 hours a day. And no one wants to yeah. hear that. You know, they, they don't want to hear that part of it. And then all the side right. hustles were, you know, it was easy because I didn't have debt at that point. I had extra cash. I could invest into side hustles and everything. So then it comes easily, right? But it, yeah, it's those first like three to five years. It's just being willing, I think, to just keep your head down and lay the foundation, you know, because then once you lay it, like you're, you're set, like you're retired, basically like in your thirties, if you want to be. And I say to people, what's three years in the scheme of 90 years of your life? You know, it, it's, yep. it's such a little amount of times in the past. You're like, oh, I have, I have to work 35 years at this company. If I want to retire and be like stable, you know, and like, that sucks. That's a 30 year life. That sucks. But this is three years. In the grand scheme of things compared to the average, you know, existence, yeah. beautiful, except the, the only thing hanging there and looming is the other one is guaranteed in quotes. And what we do isn't guaranteed because when I present this question to people, I always I'll present it, but I'll say it's guaranteed. I'll say, if I told you, you work every day, seven days a week for a year and you're guaranteed to make $250,000, would you do it? They're like, oh yeah, without a question. Mm -hmm. Right. But then I tell them what they're going to do. And even if it's tough, they'll say yes. But the moment I say, okay, guess what? I just told you. That's what I did my first year in real estate but it's not guaranteed. Then all of a sudden they start doubting yeah. it, right? So if it's a job, they'll take it. But if it's the same circumstances, but with a different label of entrepreneur, suddenly it's, it's this mystical thing that they can't believe. So yeah. it's funny how even psychologically people are wired for that to where just the words and the title of it will tr change it from a yes to a yeah. no. Like it's incredible. Oh man, no, I, I could like go on and on about that hundred percent. So what about, what about like real estate attracted you to it? And what would you say to someone listening to this right now? Like who might be considering getting into real estate as well? Do you have any like advice for them? Yeah. You know, real estate's a simple business, but it's not easy. Yeah. It's going to take some time to build it. If you consider yourself like a lot of people who get into the business, especially in this day and age, I think of social media, they consider themselves like introverts. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm not good with people. I'm not a very good communicator. I wasn't labeled, you know, a social butterfly before, but it's a skill that you're going to have to learn because you're dealing with people, you're dealing with emotional situations, sometimes very tense situations. Like I've had uh, clients who are going through a very brutal divorce and I'm right in the middle, right? I'm dealing with issues where somebody died in the family and the property's under a trust. And now people are fighting to get extra money from each other when one of their, you know, like their family, like, you know, father or cousin just yeah. died. And instead of mourning the death, they're like, well, screw you. I should get I 20%, know. you know? So dealing with that and still getting it done while you're managing those emotions, like it's not easy. Yeah. So to a lot of people stepping into real estate, that's a, a tough pill to swallow. Even if you, you know, advertise and you kind of pay to bring people in, you're still going to have to deal with people. Yeah. So if I'm going to recommend anything, it's dude, you have to understand that you're really going to have to work on your communication skills. Like that is a non-negotiable. Yeah. What attracted me was the potential of it. I looked at it, obviously me wanting to be an entrepreneur and being more interested in that. I said, I can clock in and clock out whenever I want, meaning I can work extra to get ahead. I don't have to climb up a corporate ladder. Yeah. You know, this is paid based on your production. So I told the brokers, I was like, dude, if I sell five houses my first month, I'm getting five paychecks. He said, yes. 
And I was like, okay, sign me up. Because while everyone else is looking at it like I'm too young, I have no experience and only looking at the negative, I acknowledge that. But to me, there was like this huge list of all these positives. Mm. And I said, the fact that that's even possible to me is incredible. Because for me to make that kind of money that these guys are making in the office that have been here a couple of years, I'd either have to be a celebrity, an actor, or some kind of like, you know, famous person. And this, all you're telling me is I have to spend like $1,000 to get my real estate license. And I have the potential to make that much quickly. Not that it might not happen, but I have the potential to do it. That to me is, is reason enough to like go all in yeah. with this. And, and that's why I did it. I saw the potential in it. And again, not naive enough to know that it wouldn't be hard, but I said, putting in the work and blood, sweat, and tears for this is worth mm. it. Because in the beginning, like anybody else who doesn't come from money, you, you're sick of having an insecurity and anxiety around money. And I was like, I need to get over this because everyone in my family, even my, a lot of my family back in South America, like they work day to day to eat. A lot of them work in factories. It sucks. you know. And every time we talk, they complain about it. And I said, I want to be the first one to kind of break mm. out of that. And I, I don't want to live that way, right? I hated the fact that I was counting the days to get a paycheck to pay bills. I hated the fact that there was always this looming thing about money in my head. I'd go out and eat and I'm looking at the menu like, oh, I can't afford that. Or, and I hated that, you know, like it, it ate away at my soul. And I said, I don't want to live this way. I want to get to a point where I can do whatever I want. And I'm not even thinking about money to so where I can pull yeah. out a thousand, 10,000 and it's not a problem. So even a couple of days ago, you know, as I was like renovating my office and, you know, going through a lot of like, in quotes, big expenses, just the fact that I was able to do it and not even like blink an yeah. eye and throw all this money around. I was like, this is cool because this is the exact moment I was thinking about and envisioning, you know, 10 years ago when I started this. So it, it's really that. It's really that I saw and felt today, almost 10 years ago. That's all. I love that. I have those moments sometimes, you know, like where you you're almost like looking in on your life, like from above kind of. And you're just like, wow, like I just hit that moment that I dreamt of yeah. seven years ago. And it's just it, it makes it all worth it. You know, the, the struggle to get there. But I'm in total agreement with you. I, I had the same thoughts, you know, in my 20s after watching some of my family members and whatnot, just with like money growing up and good times, bad times with it. I was like, I don't want to live a life where money controls me. I want money to be taken care of so I control me and I control my time and I don't care how much amount, you know, what amount of money that looks like. It doesn't matter to me as long as I'm free from it. And it's just kind of crazy to me how many people look at me like with a blank stare when I say that to them, like how programmed we are, you know, both. I don't even know. I'm not, I've never been to South America, but, you know, here in the United States, like how programmed we are to think that thinking that way is crazy. And that brings up a whole new, you know, tons of topics. I'm sure we would probably agree on, on why are we programmed that way? (laughs) You know? Absolutely. You know, and and same way I was taught incorrectly about money too. But when I take a step back now, objectively as an adult, I say the people who were the have nots, even my family who never had money, don't know what the opposite side of that even looks like. were giving me advice about money. Well, how could we be able to give sound advice if we don't have the full spectrum of experience and information? impossible so i'm not mad at them but i understand why they gave me that advice Mm -hmm. right it was their position that's all they knew so of course they're going to hand that down to me now 
I can be in a position to where if I do have children in the future or whatever happens, I can be a positive influence for somebody in regards to money because I can bring a perspective that very few people can mm -hmm. bring in regards to the understanding of money, right? How it moves, the laws of money, how to make it, right? How to put money aside for wealth, how to acquire assets. Like, again, was never taught that. I had to learn, yeah. but now I can have a conversation with somebody or a child or a young person and enlighten them a little bit. And I think that's mm -hmm. cool because we never got that, right? So that's why I'm very vocal about this stuff. And I continue to put stuff on social media as well, because I know it's, it's being received and listened to by those people. And I can almost be like a big brother to a lot of people who didn't have that person in their life. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I mean, that's the power of social media today. I was looking at some of your YouTube videos. I loved one. I think it said how to nail a cold call in the first 30 seconds. And that's something I know like millennials and Gen Z were so bad with that. And, and cold calling actually can be a part of freelancing, you know, freelance writers and stuff. If you want to go get your own clients, you have to call them up sometimes. I don't do right. cold calling myself because I use Fiverr, but I would love to hear your tips or suggestions on nailing a cold call in 30 seconds. Yeah, I think cold calling, even if you're not going to do it and it's not a part of your career, I would recommend people do it just for maybe even a couple mm -hmm. months just to build that skill set because... Whenever you do sales, direct sales, which would be real estate, door-to-door, -door, cold calling, as, an, as a human being, it's very humbling because you're forced to face on and confront all of your insecurities, right? If you don't like how your voice sounds, yeah. if you don't think you're a good speaker, if you think, I don't know, you're ugly, I mean, all these things will come up because like, if you go door-to-door, -door, all that stuff is at the forefront of your mind. So if you get rejected, you're thinking, oh, they didn't like me because my nose is too yeah. big, right? Or they didn't like me because I'm, I look too young or... Anything that you don't like about yourself or that you're not happy with yet, you'll have to confront, mm -hmm. right? And then you also get a different perspective, which is the opposite side. And you'll start saying, man, most people are actually pretty decent people, mm -hmm. right? Most people aren't mean or crazy or all these things I see floating around on social yeah. media. Most people are actually pretty mm -hmm. chill. So it gives you perspective, but it forces you to kind of step up because when else are you going to, I mean, think about this for a second. I'm walking to somebody's house. I'm a stranger. I'm knocking on their door. They're not used to this unless it's somebody that they know. So now I'm already fighting an uphill battle to even get them to open the door. Then I have to initiate a conversation mm -hmm. with them, not make it awkward, right? Not give them my nervousness if I'm nervous and then actually get them to engage with me. And then obviously me, I'm either looking to get a future meeting with them if they're interested and get their name, their email, their telephone number, right? And in some cases, even like social security number and stuff like that. And I have to spark that conversation at the door without them expecting me. Yeah. Right. Now think of all the stuff we were taught growing up. Don't talk to strangers. Yeah. Don't open the door. Salespeople are evil, right? Don't sign yeah, a contract. Yeah, yeah. So we're battling that too. So the, the tips I would give people, whether you're calling or knocking is, you know, focus on the simple stuff. Like if you're knocking, make sure you stand back. Like I'm a big dude. I'm like six to 190 pounds. Oh, so and plus I'm full of tattoos, right? Most people are going to look at me like, who's this crazy dude at my yeah. door? But the, the biggest thing is give people space. The biggest one that I see people miss is smiling. Like people yeah. are just, I mean, it's tough to tell now because so many people have their mask on all the time, but a lot of people don't, they don't smile. Yeah. If you want to come off as non-threatening and more open for people to have a dialogue with you, it, it's been proven scientifically too. The smile is the biggest yeah. invite and biggest like positivity creator for a possible interaction. Right. And for many of us, like it was for me back then, I wasn't used to doing that. So even me smiling all the time was like, I had to force myself. 
I literally felt dumb smiling. I was like, I'm forcing a smile. You yeah. know, like it felt weird because I wasn't used to doing yeah. it all the time. Another tip, if we're keeping it simple, is slow down. Mm. We have a tendency, especially when we get nervous, to start talking yeah, like this yeah. and speeding it up to see if we can get our message across. Because people think if I just spit it out quickly, they're going to hear it and respond. Yeah. When in fact, it's the opposite. We don't respond to people who speak quickly the same as somebody who speaks slower right yeah. when we manifest nervous energy we tend to speak quickly and become frantic mm -hmm. right people respond to that even on a subconscious level being repelled mm -hmm. by it versus if i speak slow not only can people actually understand me they can process what i'm saying because when you knock on somebody's door the typical stranger to a small degree their fight or flight's going to come on because they don't know you so they're going to be a little bit like heightened yeah and when that happens, people's conscious mind shuts off a little bit, right? I started realizing that because as I was going door to door and we got more comfortable in the conversation, they would always circle back and ask me questions about what I said in the beginning. Mm. So I started realizing, I said, people are listening in the beginning, but they're not understanding what I'm saying because they're not comfortable yet. They're still in that fight or flight. Mm. So I started like piecing all these things together as I was doing it more and more. So that's when I made the adjustment to really in the beginning, like slow down, like almost to where I was like walking and talking in slow motion yeah. because I noticed people aren't comfortable yet. And when we're not comfortable as a human being, we're erratic and we don't do things like at a high level. We're very like herky jerky and, and we mess things up. We miss things because that's more of like our animalistic side. It's our survival instinct. Right. Right. Now I know we're getting into a different right. discussion here, but. All this stuff is stuff that I've learned and study. I've also studied like neuro-linguistic programming. I'm like a master practitioner in that. I've gotten certified in hypnosis, Damn. right? So I can legally run my own hypnotherapy practice if I want. Oh my God. Um, because the mind and communication, yeah, really started fascinating me. And I realized I live a better life and people around me live a richer experience if you're a better communicator. Yeah. Like I can tell stories now and entertain people for hours. I've done speeches where I'm on stage for three, four or five hours. And to me, it's, it's fun and it's not even an issue anymore. Wow. So, I've seen and witnessed the power of being a higher level communicator. And that's why I keep dedicating myself to it and teaching it and being obsessed with it. Cause to me, that's like the key to like the ultimate human experience. Okay. Now you're making me want to go get that certification or whatever it is. <laughs> Cause I love to just like constantly learn stuff. So that that's awesome. I'm also actually studying for my real estate license right now, cool. just for the like commission side of it. I've had so many people tell me that I should No, that's, that's awesome. I don't even know what to add to that. that Cause that was just like a perfect rundown <laughs> of everything with cold calling. That's super, super valuable. Tons of crossover stuff between that and being a freelancer on Fiverr. I always say to people, have pictures with your eyes smiling. That's how you win over people's trust. Like you said, it dismantles, you know, the fight or flight. It gets people to trust you. So you heard him say it to you guys. I'm not crazy when I say this stuff to you. I also wanted to ask you before we wrap up here. I love your one YouTube title as well. It said, how to get your shit together. I just love that. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, how does one get their shit together? Cool. I'm, gl I'm glad you cussed yeah. on your show. It's good to see that not everybody's super PC, right? Yeah. You know, I think every once in a while I'll go live and do something like that because as much as people will get caught up in like, and, and it's normal now on social media because people have turned from the TV now to YouTube. Yeah. YouTube is like the new TV sure. for people. Like they have this false belief that, oh, I'm learning on YouTube. No, you're not. You're just watching it for entertainment. Like you're not really taking notes and learning and applying. You're just passing time on YouTube with this guy that you're learning and getting better when you're really not. Yeah. Right. When you're not, because if we look at your life, you're not applying anything. Right. right. 
So when I make these types of videos, I reference specific things and I, I really like to go back to like foundational basic type stuff. And maybe in that video, I don't remember exactly what I covered, but I'll pick one or two like basics or fundamentals for, you know, sales or communication or something like that and talk about that for 10, 15, 20 yeah. minutes because the further people get away from that, the more they deviate and they start getting a little bit lost and scattered. Mm -hmm. When the majority of people who follow me as an example, who maybe are in real estate, I say, you guys are too concerned and too consumed by things that are irrelevant to your progression in this business, mm -hmm. right? Stop following a million influencers. Stop watching a million videos a day because it's not doing anything mm -hmm. for you. Get your ass out in the field and work. Mm -hmm. Make the calls. Go door to door, mm -hmm. right? Because even if people reach out to me, as an example, on social media with a good question from somebody who's working, I will take the time to give them a detailed answer and response. But if I get a question like, hey, dude, how do you stay motivated? I'm like, come on, dude. Like, we got to level up from this. Yeah. Like, we, we, we have to get past that. And that, to me, is just somebody who, instead of figuring it out, they're just reaching out to people versus the other person who's working diligently and approaches me. I will give more than you know, enough time to that person to help them because that's the type of person that I think has a tremendous amount of potential and they're applying themselves. Yeah. Right. And that to me is key. So that video revolved around that. And I always do those lives and come on and talk because I think people always need to be pulled back to the foundation like many, many times mm -hmm. because they get too crazy, right? They start watching, you know, videos on all these like random things and start bringing up these other topics to me. I'm like, why are you even watching that? Yeah. Like, you, you originally had a question about this and now you're over here on left yeah. field studying. <laughs> what does that have to do with where you want to go now? If that's a subject that interests you, cool. But you came to me with a specific question and uh, you wanted a resolution for X, Y, Z. Why are you over here? That has nothing to do with yeah. it. So it's just a distraction. So those types of videos bring people back to, hey, this is what you need to do. Go do it. 100%. That's like, that's always my motto to people. Cause I'll, I have so much like free content out there for everyone. I know you do too. And I always want to say that I'm like, you guys, this is designed to be like your training wheels. Like use some of my content in like the first week. And then like, you have to go make some decisions on your own. Like you have to now go do it. I can't set up your Fiverr profile for you. People are like, how should I price my gigs? I'm like, I can't tell you that. I've given you the info to help you figure out how to price your own services. But at some point you have to just go freaking do it. And nobody wants to hear that because they're stuck in the analysis paralysis wheel that just keeps going and going and going. All right. My final question to you, because I'm just curious about this as well, is what tips would you give to me or to someone listening on how to grow their YouTube following? Because I need help. My YouTube is sad. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot that I can say. L let me boil it down to like three or four points. Number one is this. I wouldn't focus your content on like entirely on trying to make the viral video mm. or over-researching perfect tags and all that stuff, right? Come up with a concept for your channel and your content and follow that more than anything, right? Because then there's going to be an air of authenticity to it and realness that other people mm. lack, right? If you want to talk about trending topics and all that in your niche, that's fine, but make that in addition to, not the basis for what you're doing. Unless you're like a news channel or something like that, then of course, go on all the trending topics. Number two is people they get too caught up in their niche and they fail to collaborate. Mm. So let me give you an example of when my channel really started growing. I have a million interests outside of, you know, real estate and sales. Like I'm a big car guy, mm -hmm. right? I'm also heavy in like the dating world in regards to like people who help, you know, other individuals with dating and dating coaches are my friends and that kind of stuff. So I'm, I dabble in that world a little bit too. So what I started doing was on my channel featuring content 
like me going to a car show, mm. right? Me hanging out with another car guy who might be a small or medium or big YouTuber and us hanging out and having a discussion, right? Podcasts with other friends, me out doing this or doing that. I started bringing in my interests and people associated with those interests mm -hmm. to my channel. That's when the floodgates opened because it gives people the opportunity to connect with you, I think, on a deeper mm -hmm. level, right? And it also helps you in your state of mind as a creator and as a person to get out of this box. Mm -hmm. Right. There will still be people to this day who run to my YouTube channel like, why are you talking about anything other than real estate? You're a realtor. It's like, dude, grow up. Yeah. Right. But a lot of people will succumb to that pressure and think, oh, I'm the realtor guy. I always have to be in a suit. I can only talk about real estate. But that confines you. Oh, yeah. Right. Because again, the, the word is there. This is why I don't like the word influencer. I use the word creator because right? it's more powerful and it's more relevant. I create. This is my channel. I can create whatever I want. So when you start incorporating more parts of you and you incorporate that into your content, I think it almost like creates a vortex mm -hmm. that opens more doors and brings in different interests and people, right? Who otherwise maybe wouldn't have connected with mm -hmm. you, but because I don't know, you're a saxophone player and you started putting it on your channel, you got a group of 20 people maybe in your area who found you and then connected with you and now they follow mm -hmm. you and they originally found you because you put a video playing the saxophone, yeah. right? even though they have no interest in freelancing, but then suddenly they are, or yeah, yeah. You, you never know what happens, right? That's when the wheelhouse gets going. But the third one, and as cliche as it sounds, I know, especially, especially in, my, in my niche, nobody touches me with my level of consistency, mm -hmm. right? Rain, snow, too much humidity here in Florida, whatever yeah. it is, like I'm always gonna create content and I don't care what's happening. There could be a meteor about to crash and hit earth in like a week. <laughs> And I'm still going to follow my upload schedule. Yeah. Like I'm not going to stop and say, oh, it doesn't matter anymore because the meteor is going to hit us. My dedication and commitment is senior, like I said, to everything mm -hmm. else. And that's the key. Yeah. I get messages from people like, dude, I've been consistently uploading to YouTube for two months. I only have like a thousand subscribers. I'm like, bro, it took me two years to get a thousand subscribers. Like, right, are you kidding exactly. me? And you're going to stop after two months? Like, like, you know what? Let me play the world's smallest <laughs> violin for you. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. give me a break, bro. Right. So again, proper perspective. But if, if that same person had said, I'm doing this forever, they wouldn't come to me with that question. Yeah. That tells me they're so attached to the, that number of subscribers that nothing that they do has significance unless they hit that mm -hmm. number. And what people are doing in that moment, and this is more like mental, is they're externalizing, right? Everything for me was internal. What I wanted to do, my method of creation, what I wanted to create, the lifestyle, what I wanted to show people, it was never about, I need X amount of likes or X amount of subscribers. That was secondary. Mm -hmm. Just like with my career, I wasn't doing social media and then being a realtor. I was growing my life and real estate business and changing myself. And I just happened to show some of it on social mm -hmm. media. And I think most people have it backwards, right? They want to fake the funk and, oh, I'm this big bad guy. Dude, worry about your actual business. Yeah and let social media maybe fan the flames and help it grow a little bit, but that's secondary to what you're doing mm -hmm. here, right? And I think that's kind of, I mean, there's many more points, but that kind of encompasses what I did. But overall, I think the most important point to that is just my consistency. Yeah. I've been uploading three, four videos a week to YouTube for years now. And every once in a while, I'll do a month where I post like every day, Monday through Friday. So it's the consistency. You can't stop me from uploading. Yeah. And, and, and with that, you can't be denied. That's, I mean, mic drop, same thing with freelancing, same thing in any business ever. It's a, that's a universal principle and something a lot of people try to avoid, but no, that's, that's, that's it. That's it right there. Like, and I tell people that with TikTok too, they're like, oh, 
And yeah, yeah, I tried for two months. I posted three times a day. I only have like 2,000 followers. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, <laughs> you know, and like you said, people can tell authenticity. Like they can tell if you're just getting on there for the number, for the follower count. And they can tell if you're getting on there to actually create and actually share something of value. People know, like people are dumb. Like they can, they can tell your, your intention. Absolutely. Where can people follow you online and work with you? If you take my name here, Ryan Casella, it's, you just put at in front of it. All my social media handles are that you'll find me on Facebook, you know, Instagram, okay. all that fun stuff. YouTube as well. Just type in my name. You should find me. Um, I don't know if I pop up on Google much. I have no idea, but that's the best way. Instagram is probably my most used app okay. out of all of them. If I do spend the most time, it's probably on that okay. one. All right, Brian, thank you so, so much for coming on. Cool. Thank you for having me.